We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This. What is up, Green Bay Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast, the 2019 Draft Review edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Morley. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ross Uglum. Ross, how the heck are you, man? I'm great, brother. I'm 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 doing well. Uh, seems like things have slowed down a little bit, you know, with... Uh, North Dakota State, Kansas State, the Packers, just fewer uh, live games to deal with and analyze. And and the balance struck between, you know, the NDSU basketball that I have to cover and draft prep is a more family-friendly balance. That's uh, It's closer to, uh, you know, a 50-, 60-hour work week than it is a 80-, 90-hour work week, which was – Something that, uh, you know, when all three football teams were rolling, uh, was was tough. Dude, I hear you. Yeah, and uh, draft work is it's just a different beast. And I'm so I'm glad we're in draft season. You know, draft season's fun because everyone once again is zero and zero. Super Bowl was last week, but that's over and done with. Now we are all looking forward to what our teams can potentially do to make themselves. Uh, the team holding the trophy at the end of the year. And so we're going to look today at what the Packers did in 2019 and what, uh, how, well, I guess I should say how those rookies looked their 2019 season and then project them moving forward. So what I'll do is um, at PackerReport.com a couple weeks ago, I actually wrote a rookie report card. Um, so I'll be sharing some of that information as well. And just kind of the the grades that I put on these picks after one year, um, and the the angle I wrote this article was was strictly just grading their rookie year, not even looking to the future, just strictly where they were picked, how they performed, what kind of grade I'd put on that. So we'll look at that, but on this podcast, we'll be a little bit more optimistic with some of these picks and kind of look at what we think these guys can do moving forward. Um, so Ross, I'll give you the floor. I'll just, I'll, I'll tell you the pick. I want to hear your thoughts first, um, but I'll tell you the pick. I'll tell you where they were drafted overall, and I'll give you a baseline of their stats, including how many snaps they played. Um, so obviously, obviously first round pick Rashawn Gary, uh, edge out of Michigan, 12th overall played 297 snaps this year. 
uh, with 15 tackles, three sacks, total pressures, 16. Um, and uh, mind you, that is pro football focuses stats. So their sack numbers are a little bit different. They don't do half sacks. So that's why that seems a little bit higher. Um, but Ross, we are one year into the Rashawn Gary project. How are you feeling about that pick? Uh, you know, kind of similar to how I felt when they made it. Uh, it, it wasn't the best pick that they could have made. I feel like a lot of us that were, you know, not crazy about Gary were, were justified in, in doing, in, in being that way. Um, you know, it's not, everybody says, oh, well, hindsight's twenty twenty. Well, it's not hindsight when, you know, the Packers big board had him in, in the high twenties. Uh, and that obviously being a, a Packers specific big board that had basically the quarterbacks removed and, and, you know, Green Bay's draft needs, um, up higher than than other positions and still Gary was you know a little bit down the way so it's it's not it, it's not in my opinion hindsight to say they should have taken Brian Burns when I said originally you know that they should have taken Brian Burns or that they should have taken you know uh, 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 I don't know Jeffrey Simmons or maybe Andre Dillard somebody Marquise uh, Hollywood Brown or, or DK Metcalf at a different position, but Gary is exactly what I figured Gary was going to be. And that is a 100% a project. And he was able to create pressure, uh, was not able to finish a ton of sacks, but ultimately was, you know, right where you you kind of figured a guy like Rashawn Gary would be through year one and, and somebody that they haven't quite figured out where to play him. I don't think he's great with his, you know, hand up. I don't think he's an excellent two point stance guy. If it were me, I would play Gary almost exclusively at the three tech. And if that means he needs to put on 10 pounds, that's it's fine. I don't, not going to bother me any um, kind of a, high pick for, for, for a three technique, but ultimately I I'm just concerned about his long-term development outside. Now, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say what I said when they took him, he has the chance to be a perennial all pro just in the sense of he's one of the greatest athletes in the history of the NFL flat out. I mean, just flat out athleticism, raw testing numbers for a six, four, 275 pound man, he, he does things that other guys just can't do. So then you have to put it on Mike Smith to get him there, and you have to put it on Mike Pettin to get him there. And, you know, he, he is every bit the project that we thought he would be. Now, would he be further along if the Packers didn't sign both Smiths? Maybe. And, and that's a tough thing in the sense of, well, is it the chicken or the egg? Did the Smiths play a crazy high percentage of the snaps because Gary wasn't ready or did they not play Gary because the Smiths played a crazy high percentage of the snaps and Petten just wanted to roll with his stars. And there's a thought process out there. And I think Mike Smith even touched on this um, because this pick was very much driven by Mike Smith and he even, um, and if you don't know who we're talking about, he's the the basically the edge coach, player. outside linebackers yeah. coach. And so he, you know, there's stories of him running running up and down, you know, the halls of Lambeau Field for pumping his fist when Rashawn Gary was picked. And he even spoke, you know, glowingly of him as this year went on and went as far as to say uh, something like, you know, when Rashawn Gary is the best pass rusher in this league, it'll make more sense, something along those lines. But he also talked about how they probably wouldn't have taken him if they didn't sign the Smiths, which I thought that seemed it, it's kind of interesting to look at it that way. But it, it kind of makes sense because it kind of tells you the Packers knew exactly what they were taking when they took him. And that is basically, like you said, like one of the best athletes to ever come through this process. And Gary, like you said, is that, but he's just a unrefined ball of clay right now. And quite frankly, if, if the three Smiths, Mike, Sidarius and Preston um, can't get him uh, to play to his potential, I'm not sure if there's anyone in the league that could. Uh, so I think he's in a good spot moving forward. Um, but 
glowing reports from coaches really only get you so far in this league. I mean, Gary's got to produce. Uh, and a lot of people will point out that this is the highest pick the Packers had in a decade. They just have not had top 15 picks. And so that's where I think a lot of the, you know, the gnashing of teeth came from with Packers fans when, you know, Rashawn Gary was the pick. And I remember just being surprised more than anything, um, which I shouldn't have been because you go back and I actually did last year. I did a little exercise where I looked at the types of players that Mike Pettin run defenses have typically selected. And I came up with the criteria of like seven things and it was, you know, height, length, uh, explosive jumps or something like that. And Rashawn Gary had hit on all seven of them. Um, so it really shouldn't have been that much of a surprise. It just was kind of one of those things where it's like, uh, will, will, is this actually accurate? Um, but it proved out that it kind of was. Um, but like, I, like you said, he's, He's got to perform. He's got to develop. He's got to be better to justify this pick. That absolutely can happen. Um, We've seen it happen time in and time out. It's not like he didn't do anything all year. And you look at his snap count, 297 snaps is is not very much. Uh, That's very little. And to get 16 total pressures out of 300 snaps is actually not god-awful. That's not terrible. Um, Could it be better? Of course. But um, for a rookie still kind of figuring out how to play that you know, that stand-up edge, I, th- I think he, there is promise there. There is uh, reason to believe that he can get better and he will get better. Um, but for the 2019 season, and grades are dumb. Like, don't get me wrong, grades are stupid. So if you want to call me dumb for giving it a grade, that's fine. I totally get it. Um, but for my the article I wrote, I gave this pick actually a D- minus for its first year. Um, it's kind of because of how high the pick was and – what type of production you're getting out of the 12th overall pick. Um, so in the grand and, and mind you, that is just 2019 when your 12th overall pick on plays less than 300 snaps. I don't know how you can give that a passing grade, um, but that doesn't mean I'm not excited for Gary's future. Cause I think he can absolutely like Mike Smith said, I think he's got the tools. He, he's got everything in his toolbox that you could possibly want um, from the pass rusher. So, he can get there, but 2019, um, the the haters are out, and they have a little bit of a case. Um, so, moving on. <laughs> That's Rashawn. Well, right, and so like I just want to quick touch on that, and and I know I talk a lot, so quick might be you know not that quick, but I, the the snaps thing bugs me just a little bit because it's just it's it's so dependent on does your position rotate? Like what if they had taken Dillard and Bulaga and Bakhtari just don't get hurt? You know, what, what if they took a quarterback, you know, the, that's why I struggle a little bit with the evaluation of Gary, because it, is it Patton that refused to sub out Smith and Smith, or is it Gary that just wasn't that good? Now I think you can, almost assume that it was it was Gary but at the same time you are assuming and and I I struggle with that a bit I'm I'm not sure I know what the answer is yeah and I, I get what you're saying um I think I would probably give it a similar grade if it was Dillard and he didn't play just because my whole thing is it, they just haven't had a pick that high and I you want immediate value um and I'm looking I'm trying to look up because I think I want to say this is off the top of my head. I can find it real quick, but I want to say Fackrell probably played twice as many snaps as Gary did this year. Sure. Uh, which, which goes into that as well. But, um, but sure. Like I, I get that. I get that argument. Um, and that is total. that's the total argument behind um, what, like, like this year, it, it's going to be not a very valid argument, but it's something that I've even poked the bear with a little bit of the, what if they take a, a quarterback in the first round? Probably won't probably less than 1% chance of that happening. Um, but I think you'd have to give it a similar grade after one year. What would you give Aaron Rodgers after his first three years? Um, if you, if you're going strictly just off of what he did on the field, you know, it's, it's tough. Um, but that's kind of where I'm coming from with Gary. Now, if you want to talk about his future prospects and what I think he can do moving forward and just looking at the pick as a whole um, in the grand scheme of things, I think I'd probably just go with an even C. Uh, just an average 
upgrade, you know, it's still kind of a wait and see, or even, I mean, like I, like I led with too, grades are dumb. They really kind of are because we really just don't know. Um, but if I had to give them a grade, that's, that's what I gave them. Um, but moving, okay. So moving on though, to the second first round pick, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Darnell Savage. Cause I know you're not quite as high on him as not that you, you're not high on him, but not as high on him as a lot of Packers Twitter uh, might be. So Darnell Savage. So he was the 21st overall pick. He played 1,095 snaps, 59 tackles, five total pressures, um, two passes broken up, uh, and two interceptions. So one year in, 21st overall pick, Darnell Savage. What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, like you said, I'm, I'm not where uh, some folks are on him. Um, just ready to... You know, I, I don't know if anoint him is the right word, but I'm I'm just not there. I I I hope you know that he's good, but but in the same sense, I don't know that he's that much better than you know rookie. I don't know that he was that much better than than the rookie version of Ha Ha Clinton Dix. Um, I don't know. I know he wasn't as good as the rookie version of Nick Collins. I'll tell I me. Mean, I'll tell you that right now. You compare their two rookie years. I just. You know, I, I I just wasn't that impressed by the kid. Now, what I was impressed with uh, were, were, you know, the things that can be worked on, the things can be molded. And I've actually become even a little bit more uh, bullish on, on Savage in talking to uh, my buddy Arif Hassan, who is with The Athletic, covers the Minnesota Vikings, and, uh, you know, obviously covered defensive backs coach, Jerry Gray for for a number of years and you look at uh, Minnesota you've got you, you know you bring that snap total down to uh, I'm just going by by strictly pro football focus grades if you bring the snap threshold down to 20 percent so 20 percent of the team snaps uh, Minnesota had three of the best four safeties in the league from a grading perspective now is uh pro football focus the gospel it is not but they do have uh you know compensated football professionals evaluating every single game that aren't vikings fans or aren't fans of this team or that team or whatever and so for anthony harris to be number two harrison smith to be number three and j ron curse to be number four that has to be really really pleasing in the potential development of darnell savage if you guys are wondering where darnell came in uh, if, like I said, if the the minimum snap is twenty percent, this does allow some lower snap safeties who just played really well in limited action. It does allow some of them uh, to be, you know, part of the discussion. But he was forty seventh. Uh, there are, you know, obviously sixty four starting safeties in the league, so that it's a it's an average number two safety. Uh, but you don't trade up to the mid twenties to take an average number two safety. You know, they want him to be a star. And I think that Jerry Gray can be a big, big part of that. Uh, Adrian Amos seven tied for 17th in overall pro football focus grade, which again, not the be all end all, but uh, the kid just has plenty of, of upside. You, you talk just coverage numbers, uh, only the coverage grade, and and he jumps right into the top 32. He jumps right into that safety one area. So if you're not worried about tackling or blitzing or or run support, you know he's already great. But it's just a lot of things that that I think Jerry Gray can work with him on because the number one thing that I think lacked with his play was just consistency, and and that's. So big uh, on the safety side of things. It's exactly what makes Adrian Amos such a great player. But Darnell showed so many flashes of superstardom that I think if they get a chance to get him to make those plays every other week instead of every four weeks, it's going to make a huge, huge difference in the level of star that he can be. Yeah, and um, one thing, so I'm I'm kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum than you because I, I really, I love Darnell Savage coming out, and he kind of, good and bad, he kind of showed me what I thought he would be. And what's interesting about him is I'm looking at his his total, his snap count right now on Pro Football Focus, and so he 
the majority of his snaps came at free safety, 485 snaps. Um, but then you look at his the next second, uh, the closest was 230 in the slot as a slot corner. Um, and so that's what I like about him. And I think it's even I think it's even you that kind of put this idea in my head of kind of using him in that honey badger type role where you can, uh, in a, you know, maybe next year or the year after when he gets more comfortable playing um, at the NFL level and he's just he's seen more truthfully. Uh, he can play, you know, uh, anywhere. He can play in the slot. He can play deep. He can play in the box um, and be just a, a matchup type guy. Um, I think in the first four weeks, you kind of saw a really good indication of who he can be. Then, you know, he got hurt in that fifth week, missed two, two weeks. And I'm not sure if he ever really recovered because um, it seemed like in those first four weeks, he was, you know, he was making a play a game. And it kind of was what you were seeing in training camp where, you heard that's kind of what you heard from there too, is he was making a play about every day. And I, I just really, I love his speed. I love his tenacity. Um, I think he can be that type of player. Um, you know, that Buddha Baker type of player, that honey badger type of player. Um, will he be, I don't know, but that's where I think, um, his potential lies. And I think, uh, the other thing that my big concern with him coming out of Maryland was, was his size and his, his ability to hold up throughout a 16 game season. Um, and so that's not a great sign that he suffered that lower leg injury in week five. Um, and it, it looks kind of like he was a little bit dinged up um, throughout the majority of the season because of that. Um, but even so the, he was, a pro football writers association, all rookie team selection. So um, my, my criteria for just his 2019 grade um, strictly speaking in this draft class, when you are on the all rookie team, it's hard for me to give that selection, anything other than an a um, when we're looking just at 2019, um, because I think the other guys that were on that all rookie team were Juan Thornhill and then uh, Gardner Johnson, from uh, the saints as well. Um, and I know you brought up an interesting point. I think it was actually, I don't know what it was, but I, I thought it was, it's, it's good to revisit it when you talked about safety play in the NFL is something that we've seen rookies come in and be able to play at a really high level. And so there's two guys that, that have now you've, you've mentioned that have kind of been on my head. And one of them was Marcus Williams, the saints uh, rookie say, or he's not a rookie anymore, but, when he was and then haha Clinton Dix today, who both probably had similar rookie years, which were uh, similar to Darnell Savages, where you'd say that he was, he was good. He was fine. Um, if he stayed just like this, he would probably be an average starting safety in the NFL. Um, but you look at haha and you look at Marcus Williams and you see how Clinton Dix is kind of uh, his trajectory has kind of gone up and then down. And then Marcus Williams um, in his second year, I believe he was either, I think he was a top five rated safety in the NFL. So there is still room for improvement at that position um, that you hope that, you know, Savage can make in his second year and beyond. Um, so right now, after one year, like I said, I, I'd give that pick an A, but I'm also, I'm kind of in the Darnell Savage fanboy club. So um, Ross, I'm not going to ask you to put a grade on him because you don't have to, but um, it seems like we are a little bit apart on that. I know you like Savage, but um, I can definitely see where some of that could have been coming from. Um, moving on to the Packers' next pick, round two, uh, really kind of the darling of this draft class was Elton Jenkins, um, center, actually, guard center type of guy out of Mississippi State, second second round pick, 44th overall. 1,160 snaps, zero sacks allowed, one quarterback hit. Bizarre. <laughs> That's wild. I kind of forgot about that stat. Um, Ross, give me your thoughts. And we've, we've talked about him quite a bit on this pod, but uh, refresh us on your thoughts on the Elton Jenkins pick. I, you know, I, I struggle with it just in the, in the sense of what it could have been. Mm -hmm. Um you know, he, he's a phenomenal player. Guard uh, is not the replacement level position it used to be. You know, people really didn't seem to care uh, about 
about guards, <laughs> you know. Um, but if it were me, and again, this is not hindsight. This is reality. I, if it were me, I would have taken either Greedy Williams uh, or A.J. Brown, uh, D.K. Metcalf, or Juan Thornhill, frankly. Uh, but they already had D- Darnell Savage, obviously. But, yeah, you know, I, I would have taken either Greedy or one of the receivers um, then, and, and I still would have done it now. You know, I still believe in in those guys and, um, you know, A.J. Brown, obviously. Well, both, frankly, all those guys proved me pretty right as far as the Packers big board rankings go. Uh, although I don't know how feel – I don't know enough about what went on in Cleveland to tell you how people felt about Greedy's first year. Um like I said, I, I truly don't know, but putting all that aside, putting who they could have taken aside, you have to feel good about the Jenkins pick. They have a, a, a top probably, I would say, 10 to 12 pass blocking guard in the league right now. And and he's probably, as far as starters are concerned, he's probably a bottom 15 or 20 run blocker in the league. But uh, I, I described him, and I can't remember what it was. I'm putting out so much content these days. Um, I, I described him as the uh, – uh, excuse me. I, I described him as the David Bakhtari of guards in the sense that when Bach got to Green Bay, he was uh, tremendously valuable because the second he got into the lineup, he could pass block. And there is no greater trait for an offensive lineman than the ability to keep your quarterback clean. Run blocking is almost a bonus plan. Uh, he, he then developed a complete game. Uh, he developed the ability to move people. He developed the ability to get out in space and, and bury defensive backs on some of those tackle pull uh, designs. He he developed the functional strength to not be you know, kind of because because early in his career, to be honest with you, early in his career, when they ran left, it was terrifying. I mean, he was bad. He was flat out bad uh, when they when they ran left early in earlier in his career. And now I think you feel a lot better about uh, his potential to fill out and become a guard that can maybe in in maybe not next year, but maybe the year after that. Not only can he shut people down inside, but he can move people a little bit. Yeah, and that's – I think um, that was a question I asked for you on the mailbag uh, this last week was, you know, who are some guys that you expect to make a jump and who are guys that you hope can make a jump? And Elton was a guy that I said I expect him to make a jump in his year two. And someone um, asked me, like, well, how can you say – a guy that was as good as Elton was his rookie year, how could you really expect him to make that big of a jump? And that, and you hit the answer right on the head there. He's really not that good of a run blocker. Um, yes, zero sacks allowed, one quarterback a hit allowed is a fantastic stat. He's already an elite uh, pass protector from the guard position in the NFL, but he has a ton of room to grow as far as a run blocker. So um, if he can round out his game kind of like Debach has – um, that left side of the line uh, for Green Bay is is in really good hands for the next, you know, f- for the foreseeable future. Uh, what you're saying about the other picks is 100% right. I think you take a stud wide receiver, a stud corner, even a stud safety mm-hmm. over a, a stud guard. It's just kind of how where it falls in the pecking order. Now, does that mean Alan Jenkins was a bad pick? Of course not. He's he's a he's he's a very very good young player. Um, and to be successful in the NFL, you have to draft good young players, regardless of what position they play. Um, so I, I still, I still, I say this pick when you cancel out all the noise, all the stuff, the, the, what could have they done all that stuff? Um, I think you have to say, uh, he, to me is he's an A plus as far as a pick, but that is not including Would I have rather have, uh, AJ Brown. Yeah, I would, but, um, but Elton Jenkins is a Packer, and he's going to be a Packer for a long time, and I think he's going to be a very good Packer for a long time. Um, so moving on to their we, – We might want to pick up the pace a little bit. Yeah, 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 yes, or else we're going to be here all night. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, moving on to the third-round pick, uh, and this is 
a guy that I was really excited about when they picked him, and that is uh, Jay Sternberger, the tight end out of Texas A&M. I lost my train of thought here on what I was looking at. Um, but here we go. So 75th overall pick, third round, 162 snaps, three receptions, 15 yards, one touchdown. That is playoffs included, um, which without those playoffs games, you probably aren't as excited about Jay Sternberger. Um, but Ross, he's kind of become the offseason darling for this Packers offense, the guy that Packers fans seem to want to put a lot of stock in taking a year two jump and making this offense or taking this offense to another level. But what are your year one thoughts on the Jay Sternberger? Yeah. So I kind of want to, and I just said, let's pick up the pace, but I kind of want to get into this and I want to start by saying, I understand that there's, you know, very little chance, frankly, that, that Jace is, is going to hear this. But um, earlier in the season, I had said that, expectations for Sternberger should be extremely low. Um, and the tweet got passed around a little bit. I got narc tagged <laughs> and, uh, and Jace liked the tweet. You know, he liked that. I said that expectations should be, should be really low. And, and by no means is this, and I told you so that's not at all the point. Uh, nobody gives a shit what I think it's the, the point though uh, is, is that, it was not to disrespect him. It was to try and keep things at least a little bit realistic. Um, you know, Jace ends up, even if you count the playoffs, he ends up with three catches for 15 yards uh, and, and a touchdown. And that's just kind of life for a, for a rookie man. And, and that's life for a rookie tight end, not only a rookie tight end, but, one that started the year on the pup, these guys just don't come in and tear up the league at that position. It's it's a very difficult position to physically be ready to play because you you know you got to be strong enough to to you know mess around with defensive ends and three four outside linebackers while still being fast enough and 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 savvy enough in your craft to be able to separate from linebackers and safeties and nickelbacks. And it's, it's just hard, man. Um, you know, you, you look at like a, like a Jimmy Graham first year in the league played every game at 31 catches and 350 yards, you know, that, that, that's it. No, no more than that. Uh, and, and it, it goes on frankly throughout all of those, uh, you know, big time tight ends. Gronk, first year, 42 catches, 540 yards. Sophomore year, 1,327 yards and 17 scores. Is that going to happen with every, uh, you know, with every big time tight end? No, uh, but it, it, it does happen. You look at Jermichael Finley, 2008, 14 games, 12 targets, six catches, 74 yards. The next year, he is one of the best tight ends in football, 676 yards, five touchdowns, and absolutely torches the playoffs. And, and what I'm trying to say here is just that, that that was not a shot at Jace. And I think, in general, this stuff needs to be you need, – it needs to be kept in mind when thinking and talking about Jace Sternberger – is not only does he play a position that is historically almost impossible to make a big impact early, but he missed the first nine games of the season. And and that, like I said, it just has to be taken into account. Yeah. Now I'm looking at even more like Travis Kelsey didn't have his first thousand yard season until his fourth year of his career. Um, and uh, Sternberger is a guy I think that surprised all of us by with his, his, tenacity in, in, in the run game and pa and pace pass protection. Cause that was not something we saw a lot of at Texas A&M. Um, another thing that I'll just briefly say about Jace as well is I think he needs an off season. I think like, like you just said, I think most of those guys do. Um, what's interesting to me about him and we'll find out next year uh, because uh, I think we're going to see his development, but he looks small when he's out there. Um, he doesn't look, he's, he's listed at six four two fifty, and that is not by any means small. Um, so I'm, part of me wonders, does he look small because he moves like a wide receiver? 
Um, and I think he kind of does. So that's kind of what I remember about Jermichael Finley as well. His first couple years in the NFL was, man, this guy moves like he's like number 88 is a, a wide receiver, you know, at number 87 moves. And I'm not, I'm not saying he's Jordy Nelson, but he, he moves. You get those weird, like, Oh, 87, like that 87 white guy out there. That looks like Jordy, but it's not it's Jace. Um, but he just moves so well. So I'm really excited about Sternberger. I'm, I'm really excited just because of what he sh- showed, what he was able to show in the run game and his blocking was, was really good. So, um, I'm kind of in that fanboy club too. I'm going to be really optimistic about him moving forward. Um, But am I going to say he's going to catch a hundred balls and 1200 1200 yards next year? Probably not. Um, Definitely not, but uh, it's okay to be excited about guys. And I think he's one that showed us enough that uh, I think we can be, we can have some excitement there. So moving on. Right. And even then, and even then it might not come next year. He might be a Mm -hmm. Packers hall of famer. He might catch 20 balls next season. Yeah. And that's another guy you could talk about. We're not going to get too far off the beaded path here, but Robert Tanyan is another guy. He's going to, this, you know, he couldn't, he could be a guy that blows up next year. Not, maybe not, but like a guy that's still developing because, like you said, that is a position. It just takes time. A, another guy is Mike Gasecki, was a freak of an athlete coming out of Penn State and, it was just garbage for a long time in Miami. And then the last six weeks of this season, you start to see it come together. And it's just, it's such a hard position to play. You just, you're essentially playing three positions. And I mean, you got to be a really smart, really athletic. I mean, there's just so many things that go into being a good tight end in, in this league. So uh, give those guys time. And that's honestly, I think there's a case to be made about why those first round guys don't, um, don't hit as re- you know, just it's, there's a big bust rate for tight ends in the first round, let's just say. And I think part of that is because of expectations and people are not patient enough with them because that is a very difficult position. Uh, but so moving on, uh, to Jay Sternberger's teammate out of Texas A&M, uh, Kingsley Kiki, Round five, 150th overall stats. He played 117 snaps, uh, nine tackles, one quarterback hit. Uh, give me your brief rookie season impressions from uh, Mr. Kingsley. I, I think you ought to be excited. Um, what, what he was able to so you know, defensive line is the same way. Kenny Clark was such a rarity. Uh, but even he's a different monster in year three, four than he was in year one. Uh, you saw BJ Raji take a massive year two leap. You, you've seen it up and down with guys, even Colin Jenkins, his rise, uh, if you will, is is one of the top defensive linemen in a three, four in the league. European football league. Colin you, 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 you just, it takes time. And, and so, um, what you're looking for in year one is, is the juice. Does it exist? Can you find it? Can you see it? Uh, and, and he's got it. Kingsley's got the juice. Um, I'm not saying, you know, that, that we're going to see uh, a Geno Atkins from him. I'm not saying that we're going to see, you know, a Chris Jones from him, but I think he can be, if you're going to continue to run a three, four, whatever, I think, he can be in your best five. I think he can be in your best five defensive linemen, maybe even your best four defensive linemen. And I don't mean like on a roster. I mean, on a good defensive line, you know, on a, on a good defensive tackle rotation, a team like that, uh, you know, a situation where you really can move game, win games because of what you're doing up front. I think uh, ideally you would want a, a couple of guys from a talent level, from a skill level standpoint, in between him and Kenny Clark on your, your pecking order, if you will. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's important. And I just think he's, he's got it. He'll, he'll, he'll get there. Yeah. And I remember him at the senior bowl last year was kind of a guy that showed up and he had shed some weight, um, really surprised people with just, you know, how slippery he was. He's just kind of one of those guys. It's hard to keep your hands on him because he does, he's got those quick steps and, um, I thought he was a very nice pick in the fifth round. Um, and we're talking day three pick. We're talking some guys don't even think the fifth round is part of the draft. So uh, Kiki is a guy that I think, like you said, I'm excited about him. I think it's okay to have 
some excitement about him because I think he could develop into a, a really nice role player. And, you know, I, in a perfect world, he develops into the guy that you can line up across from uh, Kenny. But even if he doesn't do that, I think uh, you got, I think you got a really nice developmental prospect there in Kingsley Kiki. Uh, moving on to the sixth round, 185th overall, uh, Kadar Holman, cornerback out of Toledo, played 37 snaps and did not register a stat from uh, from either the line of scrimmage or from special teams. Uh, so I think you're probably going to be digging deep into what maybe you saw in the preseason from uh, Kadar Holman, Ross. What are your thoughts on him? Seemed like a press man corner. Seemed like, uh, to me, a guy, in my opinion, like an Al Harris, you know, where – um, I don't know at any point in Al's career if he was a good special teamer. And and you do want that from your reserve defensive backs, but some guys are just good at defense. And I, I think Kadar Holman's one, one trick might be a super valuable one, and that's that he can play outside press man. Yeah, and I think um, with Holman too, what's really nice about him is he didn't have to play this year. You know, in years past – you see these guys, these late round picks, these UDFAs that after the Packers secondary group was just decimated, you're playing a guy like him in the NFC championship game. So I think for Holman, it's good for him that he was able to not really have to play this year. And um, hopefully he can get his feet under him a little bit better now with the year in the NFL um, and come in next year and, and, and challenge for some playing time. That's, I think, what you would expect from a six round pick is, you know, he will be on the bubble again next year because there's going to be another, uh, in, in, you know, influx of talent that's going to come in. He's going to have to win his job again next year. Um, but with a year under his belt, hopefully he can come in and compete for a spot um, and be a contributor on defense. Uh, that would be, I think, what you would hope from him. Um, next pick, uh, the second, second round or sixth round pick that they had in this draft was the 194th overall pick, Dexter Williams, the running back out of Notre Dame. He played 48 snaps, five carries, 11 yards, average of 2.2. Ross, thoughts on Dexter Williams? I really liked his college tape. Um, Coach LaFleur was not thrilled and made that clear on a number of occasions. It showed in his, you know, complete lack of involvement in the offense. It went out and, and they went out and got Ty Urban for completely different reasons. Uh, but he was certainly given a shot at being part of the offense way before they were going to consider Dexter Williams. Uh, you know, Trey Carson up at, in that same uh, vein. You know, they could have brought right Dexter up instead right. of Trey Carson up from the practice yep. squad. So. And uh, I'm not I'm not going to stress uh, about it too much. I would you know maybe add another back in this in this draft if you. Uh, like the, the the Moss kid or or some of these third round, fourth round, fifth round kids, uh, and have them come in and compete. I don't think you're going to see both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams extended, re-signed, wherever you want to call it. Um, boy, in in general, though, uh, I would just say that it's an incomplete grade. It's an I. We don't know. We know nothing. Yeah. The only thing for Dex is he was one of those like rare day three guys that people were pretty excited about, you know, his, his fit in this offense. People thought it was kind of one of those deals like match made in heaven. This is a six round guy that if he gets a shot, he could really produce in this Matt LaFleur offense. But um, as you said, coach LaFleur did not have any issues with lighting his ass up during, <laughs> during open portions of practice uh, this summer. So uh, he's an interesting one, you know, like you said, if, if he, if he hits great, if not, whatever, um, you should probably be taking a running back around this time every year. Anyways, that's kind of just how the modern NFL is. You're always looking to turn those guys out. Um, so if Dexter can figure it out and be a contributor, great for him. Great for the Packers. If not, I'm sure they'll have another, uh, Dexter Williams ish type guy in camp this year. Uh, last pick of this draft was. Uh, the 226th overall, seventh round, Ty Summers, linebacker, TCU. Um, Ty played 350 snaps with four tackles. He was on all four uh, special teams coverage units. Um, so what are your thoughts on the 
226 overall pick. Uh, give him a shot. Um, yeah. it has every athletic gift in the world. Uh, my opinion on the linebacker position doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't probably jive, if you will, with, uh, with a lot of folks around the, the Packers and around their, their fans, you know, people that have been clamoring for a linebacker. I don't, I don't think they matter. Uh, frankly, the, the chiefs just won the, the Super Bowl with two cowboy castoffs, you know, guys that literally weren't good enough for, for Dallas to keep them around. Um, I, I just don't care about, about linebacker play. I think, uh, you can have just about anybody do it. And Ty Summers is just about anybody. I think it's certainly within the realm of possibility that he's able to um, do all the things that, that Martinez did well. And if he can't, uh, you know, hold up in coverage, well, frankly, neither could Blake. And so they might have to have OB do that, or they might have to find, you know, another, um, a uh, coverage linebacker like a, a Corey Littleton and free agency or a Sternod in the, in the uh, uh, draft, who's a really good coverage linebacker. I just think with, with time is Ty Summers. If you gave him the Jake Ryan role and said, Hey buddy, go nuts. I, you know, I, I, I think you could, I think he could do it. I, I think he would be, it would not be a noticeable difference. Here's, here's a question for you. What is the narrative on Ty Summers if he didn't miss 45% of the tackles he attempted this preseason? Because the dude still led the team in tackles by a mile. Oh, you mean in preseason? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's something that you can usually clean up. <laughs> missed right. tackles. Are, missed tackles are kind of like drops in that way. You, you can usually clean them up. Uh, some guys just can't tackle, <laughs> you know, uh, but I think it's a lot different because you know what, both him and Curtis Bolton were really good in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And C- Curtis Bolton's still under contract for the Packers. Um, you know, I think though, if Ty Summers makes those tackles, he makes all the plays that he kind of left on the field this preseason. I would, I honestly think Packers fans probably would have been clamoring for him to play this year. Um, same with Curtis Bolton, if he doesn't get hurt. Uh, my last question, I guess this is kind of off topic, but Packers go into next year. They do nothing at inside linebacker. They uh, Blake Martinez walks. They they go into the season with their top three inside linebackers as Oren Burks, Ty Summers, and Curtis Bolton. Uh, you, Ross Uglum, feel how? Fine. D- d- don't care. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I... I I want uh, an inside linebacker. Uh, just maybe it's maybe a group thing starting to get into my brain. Um, I, I wouldn't mind taking one early, but it, at the same time, in the same breath, I think uh, I could let you talk me into that pretty pretty easily. Oh, God. Um, Give me another corner. Give me another defensive lineman. Give me another pass rusher. Give me another tackle. You know, give me give me another something that matters, man. Yeah, I'm with you, but we'll have plenty of time to talk about draft stuff um, in the coming weeks because we are out of time today. We have talked for a long time about this, um, but guys, make sure you're uh, if, if you like this content, if you want to get some of the best uh, Packers draft content that is out there. And heck, if you're still listening to the to us right now, I probably got you on the hook. So make sure you head over to PackersReport.com. Um, where you can get a lot of that stuff, some really great content um, that the team over there is producing. Uh, give it a shot. I think you'll really, really like it. Uh, but Ross and I are are done for the day, and we'll be back on here in a couple uh, Tuesdays, I guess. Um, and until then, go Pack Go. <laughs>
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.